Hey, it's Doug Bursch, and you're listening to Fairly Spiritual. So, correction. How do you do with correction when someone corrects you or points out the fact that maybe you don't have the whole story or maybe you could have done it a better way or maybe you could have said it differently? Do you handle it well? I think if we're honest, we don't often handle it too well. After last week's show, I had a dialogue with a man about ways that I could have said things differently, and it was very eye-opening. It helped me with the issue of correction. Correction on today's Fairly Spiritual. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. Spoken by your word, your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my only one, you're the only one worth living for. So I'm dreams with you. Well, welcome back to Fairly Spiritual. So glad you could join me. On today's show, I want to talk about correction. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Don't don't stop listening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Correction is not something we like to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to make you repent at the end, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you do need to repent. Uh, but I, last week's show, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good show. I don't think I did something terribly wrong. But I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, after my show last week, I had someone uh, respond to it, uh, said, Hey, Doug, I'd like to talk to you about it. A uh, man by the name of Aaron. I'm going to withhold his last name just because. I don't know why. I don't know if he wants me to or not, but just am. And uh, had a wonderful conversation with him. Uh, and I just want to go through that. And I was thinking about all the the thoughts of how I respond when someone comes to me with, hey, you know, I got some concerns, or, you know, have you looked at it this way? Or if I think maybe they're there to correct me. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to just, uh, hey, one of the reasons we have podcasts is so we can work out our own personal grievances, right? Eventually, everyone in the world will have a podcast, and we'll just take it and pass it to the person on the left or the right of us. Uh, but one of the reasons you know we don't want to deal with struggles in our lives or problems in our lives or growth areas, as a pastor, when I would do uh, marriage or premarital counseling, you would have strengths and growth areas, never weaknesses, because weaknesses, you know, that's accusatory. But growth areas, that sounds great. Well, one of the reasons we might not want to work on growth areas is we don't feel like we have the reserves to deal with the struggles in our life. And I'll tell you right now, I feel personally, for me, that I don't have much emotional energy. I was thinking today that I wish I had something on me uh, like my iPhone. You know how the iPhone shows, or not just the iPhone. By the way, how incredible iPhone-ish of me it is to just say this is about the iPhone. But I think all phones have this. They have the thing that tells you the battery, right, and how much battery power you have. And there's that thing where some of you never let the battery go down, but others, you know, you're playing that battery 
roulette where you're down to 10% and it warns you and 5%, 3%. And you get down there to the end where you're like, well, I better not use too much power and I better not turn the flashlight on and because, you know, your, your uh, phone will go dead. Well, I was thinking today that sometimes I wish that I just had some sort of readout like that that I could carry around on me about my emotional energy and people could just look at me and just see how depleted I am. Because right now, emotionally, uh, for whatever reason, I just feel emotionally depleted. I just, I feel like I hardly have any emotional reserves. And so uh, for me, someone will say something and I'll just feel like I can't take it. And it's not their issue. It's not, I, I don't, you know, I don't say, hey, you know, you can't say that because I'm in a weak place, but I'll just, inwardly, I'll just be, I'm just not in a place for this. And you almost want to just have this, this little thing that says, hey, I only got 10% here. So uh, it's not about you, but there's a good chance if you start talking about stuff I'm doing wrong, you're just going to see a blank screen. You're just going to see me say, that's it. I'm through. And it's not about you. It's just you happened to meet me at the end of you didn't you didn't meet me when I was at a hundred percent. I've just I've given enough there and I'm just I don't feel like I have anything left to give. And those are feelings. I'm a very emotional person. I'm emotive. I share those things. I know some people would panic like, ah, is this a cry for help? Should we call somebody? But I just I just want you to know where I'm at. I get to those places where I just think. I don't know if I have enough energy for this. I don't, I don't know if I can take this. I Just before I did the show, I was thinking about what to do, and there was an interaction online, and, and what happens you know, through social media? Some stranger, no, nothing negative. They respond back in some way that's, that, especially when you're a pastor or when I'm a pastor, sometimes people respond to you as a pastor where they already have an idea. Of, they think they know who you are, and they kind of respond to you as this image of what a pastor is. And based on their past experiences with pastors, you have to prove yourself different than what they already think you are. So if they believe pastors are authoritarian, they see you as authoritarian. If they believe pastors are abusive and liars, then I'm abusive and a liar until I prove myself otherwise. If they think I'm controlling, uh, then I have to prove I'm not controlling. A lot of people just believe pastors are incredibly insensitive, so they'll immediately kind of just come in with these really harsh remarks, assuming that I'm insensitive and not easily hurt. Now, this isn't a virtue in me, but I'm really sensitive and easily hurt. And, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's just a thing. I've been around other pastors who aren't easily hurt, who are very insensitive. You can say about whatever you want to them, and they're like, yeah, no big deal. Tough it up. Suck up those tears. But that is not me. And so for me, when I'm like feeling really just like, man, I don't know if I can do this, and someone comes in with a response that's just really aggressive. To me, it's aggressive. To them, it's just communicating with a pastor. Uh, it'll just shock me. Immediately, I'll get this visceral, emotional, feeling like I'm a scared little boy, like I don't want to do this. And it's not about the other person. I mean, you know, Maybe they should respond differently, but it's really about, I'm just this person who only has so much emotional energy, and I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And the last thing you want to do to someone is say, Hey, you know, regardless of this interaction, I just don't think I can take this. I just, I can't do this. I just need you to know there's a human being on the other side of this conversation. And right now his emotional energy is down to like 5%. 
I get it. I get it. I'm a white, middle-class, male, privileged person. I should be able to take this, but I can't. You know that idea? I just can't. I don't, and I should be able to. I, I Logically, totally, if I were even judging my own life, I should be able to take this. But right now, I don't know if I can. And so we know there's people like that all around who are feeling that way. You might feel that way. You're like, okay, Doug, but if you're going to say something to hurt me, like I don't need that. So it's one of the reasons I operate in life. I'll say general things, but on social media, I don't go after people specifically. I don't, I don't, you know, hey, you need to do this and you need to do that because I don't know where people's lives are at. I don't know where their emotional energy is at. I don't know where they're at unless somebody asks me to come into their life or I've developed a friendship. So there's a lot of reasons we don't deal with weaknesses in our life, with growth areas in our life. Because it's hard. We don't, we don't know. We don't know if the person who's coming to us is sharing things for reasons to hurt us or to help us. And even if they're trying to help us, we just don't know if we can do it. I, I know this can sound like justification, and if this is the first podcast you ever listened to, you probably are like, yeah, you know, this is some pastor justifying his life. But let's say you know me a little bit more, and you're like, well, you know, I love Doug, and I understand this, and I, I might feel for him more. Depending upon how much you know me, you may feel for me less or more based on that relationship. But I know for every single one of us, there are times in any relationship, whether it's your marriage or your family or your neighbor or just people in general, where you don't know if you want to deal with something, even if it needs to be dealt with because you don't know if you have enough strength or you don't know if you trust the person who's talking to you about this. But we do need to deal with stuff because there's things in our life that need correction or need to be looked at. And correction might not even be the right word, but there are areas we can grow. So I just want to give a really positive example. Uh, so last week, I, I did a show on church hate. And the idea of there's a whole industry of just people making their living on talking about what's wrong with the church. And I think it's a great podcast, and, and you need to listen to it in, in its entirety to get the full weight of it, right? And I talk about in, in the podcast that there's nothing wrong with critiquing or criticizing wrong expressions and actively standing against things that are corruptions of the gospel and, and leaving wrong expressions but I talked a lot about that also we, we sometimes just have a negation gospel where we're just speaking against things, but we're not really giving alternatives. And I said some things about, you know, you really shouldn't be, if you're going to be criticizing things, you also need to be giving examples of healthy expressions. So that's kind of the basic general thing. And you can listen to yourself and see if I actually lived up to what I'm just telling you now. But the goal of it was, you know, if we're going to be, uh, you know, a, attacking or challenging unhealthy expressions, we need to really be modeling healthy expressions. And as a general principle, I believe that. Uh, but I had a, a friend of mine on Twitter, just a, a man that I've interacted with many years in, a very, in very positive ways. Uh, and in positive ways, I mean, it's not that we always agree with each other. It's just that we interact in very civil ways as we talk about different things. And uh, he responded to me, goes first just to some of the initial tweets. And I said, well, listen to the show, you know, before you make any judgments, you know, listen to the show. And then after listening, he said, hey, can I talk to you about this? And so we had a phone conversation and we know each other well enough to do that. And uh, he told me his heart. And, and I knew for him it was a great risk. Uh, 
it's a risk to do this. You know, I'm the guy in the position of power. I'm the one doing the show. I'm the one, the pastor, the authority figure. He's the guy listening who just has an opinion. Like in sharing that, I'm not saying his opinion isn't valuable, but it could be seen that way, right? I could be just, well, what do you know? You're just some guy listening. Like he's, he's putting himself in a vulnerable position. No matter how positive our relationship has been, he could say something and immediately I could get defensive and I could attack him and say, this is what's wrong with you. And, and, and so he's risking something, no matter how he shares it, that I would be defensive in what he's about to say. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what I got from the conversation. It's probably, he probably said different things because, you know, obviously I'm processing it through my own reality. But what he said was so helpful. And what I got out of what he said is, is he said, you know, basically, Doug, what I got out of what you were saying is you were saying that people really can't criticize something unless they're showing a positive expression. They really can't criticize a problem unless they have an answer. And what he pointed out, he said, the problem with that, Doug, is there's people who've come out of abusive situations or problematic situations, and they don't have an answer yet. They just know they've come out of a bad situation. They just know there's something wrong. And this is me summarizing what he had talked to me about. So these are not his words. I'm saying that, you know, his words are probably better. I'm just, I don't want you to, I don't want to put words in his mouth. But this is what I got from what he was saying. He's saying, you know, Doug, here's the problem. People come out of these abusive environments and and they need to talk about what's wrong. We need to hear them to talk about what's wrong. But they don't have the answers about what to do next. In fact, it, it would be wrong for them to even share the answers yet because they, they just don't know. But they need to proclaim what's wrong. They need to tell people that this isn't right. They need to, they need to have the ability to have voice to share something. And what I got from that is when I say, you know, you shouldn't talk about what's wrong until you're modeling what's right, I'm basically silencing those people. Now, he didn't say it that way. He said things much more nice and, and very and diplomatic and... This is me, that as, I, as he started just talking in a very gentle way, immediately I got a principle that I'll take with me the rest of my life. A principle that I think I believe, but I wasn't really articulating in last week's show, that I so much agree with him. Like some of the, the people that bother you are people who have all the answers, right? Like there's some genuine problems where we don't really know quite what to do next, but we know there's a problem. We know there's some big problems in our systems and institutions and churches and some of the people you don't want to listen to are the people who are like, oh, I know how to fix this, and they give really simplistic answers. And the way I was communicating was silencing people who've been hurt by these systems, yet they don't quite know how to fix it. And in fact, if we're the body of Christ, that maybe some people, it's just their job, their gift to the body, just to express what's wrong, and maybe others who hear that are able to maybe come up with some solutions that we wouldn't put it all on the individual to not only express what's wrong, but also to come up with a better solution. And so we had a wonderful conversation and a conversation that stuck with me because I thought about how I really want to make sure that, that whenever I talk about these things that I, I let someone know, like, yes, we want to hear in any stage of your life. We don't want, or I don't want someone to wait until they got everything figured out to speak. In fact, some of the most powerful witnesses are the people who say, I don't have it all figured out, but I need to testify to the fact that this is wrong and something needs to change. And if we believe in the power of the body of Christ, 
We need everyone to express their different experience and hope that we can come together and come to a real way of abiding that's healthier. I realize that when I communicate about facilitating healthy community, that I need to focus in on this, that there are ways that we can position our heart to abide in healthy community, and there are ways that we can position our heart to isolate from healthy community. And that's really the bigger issue. And yes, there are times where we pull away from community because of hurt and harm, and then God comes to us and says, okay, it's time to enter back in. But I need to be so careful that I don't put some sort of law on someone to say, you know, you can't speak unless you have the answers. Because as I was talking with Aaron, and again, Aaron was not, you know, at all accusatory or he was just saying, hey, Doug, it felt like you were limiting someone's ability just to say, I want to speak out against these problems, but I don't have the answers. And as he did that, I thought, I don't ever want to be that way because those are the people that I want to hear speak. And as Aaron was talking with me, I thought, this is such a good example of why we need to not be defensive. And it was such a good example for me of how safe communication or safe correction. Now, I don't even think he was coming in as correction. He wasn't like, Doug, I got to correct something. He was like, let me process something with you. But it was a correction to me, a correction of an expansion. He opened up my eyes to, to, to talk about more, to, to open up how I talk, and what I talk about. It was a correction like a correction of course. Like you can go this direction and not just that direction. You know, I've noticed in the news lately, there's been uh, some terrible news. And I'm not going to get into details because here's the deal. This podcast will be listened to throughout the year and other stories are going to rise up that'll be just like the most recent story. But what you find is some people are unwilling to have correction. Some people are unwilling to admit to faults. Some people are unwilling to admit to failings. There are whole denominational structures. There are whole institutions that will not admit to faults. They will not admit to their need for growth. They will not admit to the fact that there was a time in their life, a season in their life, a situation in their life where they did it wrong. They will not admit to something like, now that I have more information, I realize that I acted in ignorance. They won't admit that I acted wrongfully, or I acted pridefully, or I acted sinfully. They justify and justify and justify, and they justify themselves into a corner. I've often thought about why do people not apologize? Why do people live in this reality where they justify their sins and they justify their failings and they live with a closed mindset? Why do people live that way? And the only thing I can think of is at one level, they truly believe that their worthiness and their righteousness is dependent upon doing things right. That regardless of whether they have grace in the title of their church or grace in the title of their theology, they truly believe that in order to be righteous before God, they must do everything right. Or a sign that they're righteous before God is that they do everything right. And so they justify all their behaviors so that they can feel like they're right before God or so that others will believe that they're right before God. But we know that that is opposite to what the gospel does. 
When we truly understand that Jesus Christ is our righteousness and that we have been made right and found right in Christ Jesus and that it is truly by grace we have been saved, then we can allow Christ to search our hearts and our minds. And we can allow Christ to show us the sins and failings and faults in our life, not just pre-salvation, but throughout our lives, that we can be conformed to the image of Christ on a daily basis, that we can allow people to come into our lives and say, hey, you could have done that better. Here's something you could do. Here's something you can look at. Here's a way to move forward. Here's something to repent of. Here's something to embrace. Here's a better way to express Christ. Now, I know I'm talking pretty broad here, the conversation I had with Aaron was more just about, hey, Doug, think about this in a bigger way. Think about more people. Talk in a way that's more inclusive. For other issues, there's strong, sinful things where people are actively working against the kingdom of God. But regardless, in all these areas, if we truly believe in the power of the gospel, we believe in this, that the grace of God is sufficient to cover every sin, not to cover over as to pretend that it doesn't exist, but to cover sin in this way, that the grace of God is enough to reveal that sin is unrighteous and unholy and needs to be dealt with at the cross. And so that when I stand before a holy and loving God, I can say, every area of my life that is not pleasing and right to God, I am quick to repent of and quick to not justify, not to defend, but quick to say, forgive me, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned against you and sinned against those you've created in your image. I am quick to ask for forgiveness, and I'm quick to turn away from those sins and to turn to God, who is my righteousness. If I understand the gospel and that I'm in the center of God's grace, then I'm quick to repent and quick to turn to God. If I do not understand the gospel, and I believe my righteousness is dependent upon my works, then I will defend my wicked works. I will justify my wicked works and I will become the world's greatest hypocrite. Sadly, right now in our culture, we see some people who are proclaiming Jesus to be their Lord and Savior to be some of the biggest hypocrites in our culture. And right now you're seeing an attack on that kind of false gospel, the gospel where people justify their unrighteous acts and refuse to be repentant, refuse to be corrected, refuse at any level to have anyone speak into their life a word of correction or even a word of expanding their eyes and their eyesight beyond their very limited scope of how they behave and what is considered righteous before the eyes of God. If we are to grow as human beings, if we are to grow as the church, we will open our eyes to the full expression of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. To do that, to open our eyes to the full expression of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, will let other people People may be like Aaron this week, where they can say, hey, Doug, I got something I want to talk to you about. Here's something you might have forgotten. Here's a way that you could maybe say things better. And we'll listen. Maybe we'll even repent. And maybe we'll let the fullness of God be expressed in a greater manner through our witness and through our lives. Hey, that's all I got. Hey, I don't know if you noticed this, but I'm recording this show uh, from my house. And I'm going to point it out now, and I know I shouldn't. But while I was doing it, there's a plane outside that's practicing for some sort of stunt show. So if you heard in the background some sort of plane, like dive bombing, you weren't imagining it on your headphones. Actually, there's some sort of plane doing some sort of, I don't know, stunt show stuff. Really fun, but I decided I'm just going to speak through it because such is life. 
speak even as the, the planes are dive-bombing around you. Hey, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He's not through with you. It'd be of great support for me and for this podcast if you could pick up my book. That's the, really the way this whole ministry is supported. Uh, so could you go to Amazon and pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. That's The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. This music is by my brother, Dan Bursch. You can pick up his music on iTunes. All right, make room for the Lord. I'll see you next week. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you've spoken by your My dreams with you